0: Welcome to Making Sense of Parenting. This show is dedicated to helping parents change chaos, confusion, and struggle into calm, clear connections with their kids, all in a way that aligns with their faith. Hey there, I'm your host, Kelly Shoup, helping you navigate the bumpy road of raising kids. Let's dive into today's topic. Hi there. How are you? I'm so glad you're here. I'm Kelly Shoup, parent coach, pediatric, occupational therapist, mom of three kids. And today we have a very good subject to talk about. Could you be contributing to the bad behavior of your child by creating confusion? Could you be sending a message to your child that leaves them more confused or they're misunderstanding you or they're just not getting the message that you're trying to send them? Well, that is going to be what we dive into today on the live show. And what I'm going to talk to you about is three ways that I see parents often create confusion with their kids that can be a cause or contributing cause to bad behavior. The, um, the reactions that kids give their parents, I think, can be caused from some confusion. So I'm going to give us three ways that that happens. And then I'm also going to give three ways that parents can combat that confusion or minimize or lessen the confusion with their kids in the message that they're giving their children in their everyday family life. Okay, if you're new here, if you're just finding me, so happy you are here. Um, I am a pediatric occupational therapist. This is what makes me different in regard to how I help parents and kids and families. So I have a college degree, professionally licensed, trained in specifics of the human body. So an occupational therapist is somebody who helps any human with whatever job occupation they are doing at that moment. Not job as in income earning job But a job is um, a task or activity that has value and purpose in that person's life. So the job of a child is to play, to sleep, to be a daughter or a son, to be a sibling, to be a friend, to go to school, to go to church, to play at the playground. Those are all jobs that a young child Has to do. And so occupational therapists also, you know, treat adults, treat geriatric. So I am in the kid world. My love is the ages of three to eight. But because I have three kids of my own that are now 18, 16, and 13, I also am helping parents and kids and families from my caseload right now. I have a two and a half year old all the way up to 20. So I'm I'm in this space of ages and stages of child development. That's what my occupational therapy degree, we spend a lot of time doing, understanding what does that human behavior look like? How does that growth happen? What does it look like inside the physical body, all the different systems of the body, The muscle system, the movement system, the nervous system, the sensory system, the posture system, the motor, fine motor to write and eat our food with the utensil, all of those things, as well as human behavior. What is the brain? What is executive functioning? How does that play out in a person's job or the task that they do every day in their life? So my, my degree and my occupational therapy background is what makes me different in how I help and coach parents with their kids. I have an in-depth understanding of the sensory system. So how is a child or anybody's body impacted with the senses that they take in through their hearing, taste, touch, eyesight? Um, There's also a couple more. There's also another part of that sensory system that is the interoceptive system, which I understand well also. That is the internal signal system. So we all have alarms going off inside of our body that tell us we're hungry, we're thirsty, we need to go to the bathroom, we feel like we're going to be sick. There are also the internal signals and alarms For safety, do I feel safe here? And that has to do with how God designed us in regard to being both the same and unique. So, the way I am made up and what feels safe to me, the natural rhythm of how I function with my muscles and my body and my sensory system, nobody else in the whole wide world has a makeup exactly like mine. And so that means it looks different than somebody else. So how I approach things is different than somebody else. So I'm able to take all these different systems, my understanding of human behavior, human development, God's design for all of it, and then help parents figure out what do I do with this kid's bad behavior? What do I do with a child who's giving me tantrums and meltdowns and oh my goodness, I'm going to lose my mind if my child does that one thing one more time. I've been there. I can so relate. <laughs> I, I've been there with my own three kids. I've been helping kids and families and parents for over 20 years with that very thing. Like, I'm going to lose my mind. If this happens one more time, I get you. And so um, that's what we're going to talk about today. That is my role. That's what I do. Um, but today we're going to talk about in regard to confusion, because oftentimes, young kids are so confused by the message that their parents are sending. And these are loving, well intentioned, like parents who are absolutely, so intentional about wanting to do the very best by their kids. I mean, they would sacrifice anything, do anything, research to find anything. If it means having a child that is growing and developing the best that they can, all these parents are like, yep, sign me up, I'm in. And so I know that These parents, you all have the best intentions in regard to your kids. And so today, I'm just going to make you aware of some ways that we, again, it's unknowing. We don't know that we're doing this and it's causing more confusion and your kids to get mixed messages. And when they get these mixed messages, they're behaving in ways that are not desirable to us as parents. So I think we can minimize that. Okay, so I first want to say that, again, this is God's design for humans. So we're in a family. Each person in the family is unique. They have their own unique makeup, their own unique learning style. Um, In my world, I call it neurodiversity. And so it's the neurons in our brain that form pathways how we learn information, how we retain it, how we process it. All of this is unique to each of us. It's pretty mind-blowing how awesome God is in making each of us so different. But we all have our own uniqueness in our brain, same thing in our body, how we register what comes in through our senses, the information from the environment, I speak all the time. I am very hearing sensitive. So my body does not have the ability to filter out all the different sounds that can come to me at once. So if I am in a crowded gymnasium, my middle daughter plays volleyball. If I'm in a crowded gymnasium with her playing volleyball and there are a million whistles, by other games going on, referees, there's coaches yelling, there's kids um, screaming, girls volleyball loud, screechy, there's parents clapping, there's somebody answering their phone. It is so incredibly exhausting to me. And so that is something unique to me, like how my body just operates. But God made us each differently. And once we recognize that and that we are with a family of unique people. So in my my family, I've got three different kids. Each of them is different. And so it's hard because the messages that we're sending, the messages the child is getting, how they actually would ideally like to hear it or how it would come across to them for the best learning, that's difficult to differentiate, especially when kids are young. But again. Perfection isn't the goal. It's just better understanding and also awareness that we are imperfect. And again, this was God's design to make us imperfect. So we would need Him. So we would need to ask for His grace every single day in every interaction we have with each other in our family and everywhere we are in the world. So Once we understand that, we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to get the messaging exactly perfect. So the goal is just progress. The goal is awareness. The goal is to have peace in your family. The goal is to have perspective, to know, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe I said that, but they didn't pick up on it like that. Maybe I should come at that from a different angle and they can understand it better. The other goal is always connection, to connect with the members of your family in a peaceful, loving way. Okay, first way that parents can be contributing to confusion in their kids is by communication. That should be no surprise to anybody, but I want to break it down just a little bit further. We're going to talk about communication in our words. So this, again, is probably like, well, duh, of course, we are speaking to our kids. So, you know, I'll work with a family and I will hear the mom say, I mean it. If I tell you that one more time, this is going to happen. Except I just heard her say it. This is the fourth time. So kids are like, okay, she's told me once. And she's told me a second time, I mean it. If I say it again, I'm doing this. But she never does it. And so the kid's thinking, hmm. So kids are often so incredibly like perplexed. And you'll see them. They'll kind of cock their head and "Hmm," tilt their head. And they're like, what? Huh? Wait. And, you know, at these young ages, remember, they don't have a fully functioning brain. So they're just all this stuff's coming at them new. They're like, wait a minute, what, huh? Um, And I ask kids so much in my sessions with them. Like, well, what do you think about that? Or what if your mom does that? Or what if your dad did that? And they give me such great information. Oh yeah, my dad, yeah, he might say he's not mad, but you can just tell, like he's red. So even though we are giving our kids a message sometime again they're confused and they really understand what could be the real way that we feel about things but communication with our words is so incredibly important and it's important with kids who are young to have it be simple have it be clear what you're saying to them and not a lot of words and reasoning and explanation because, again, they don't have the mental capacity for you to give them the 10-minute version of why you want them to do whatever. Just, would you please put on your shoes? We're going to go get in the car. That might be the extent of what they need to know. Okay, so words. Words in regard to please, thank you. Um, I'm so proud of you. This is so important to be clear and finish the statement. So I help parents understand. A lot of parents do an amazing job of saying, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Good job. And we stop right there. Good job. And so I will ask kids In my you know, sessions with them, I'll say, great job. What do you think? What do you think I'm telling you great job for? And they will give me all kinds of reasons. Well, because I'm not fidgety in my chair. You're telling me great job because I heard you say that we're going to use our scissors in a minute, or all the things, but it really isn't the one thing that I'm telling them they did a good job on. So I just want to encourage you parents that when you say good job for something you observe your child doing, tell them exactly what it is because then they will know, oh, I did a good job taking the trash out. I did a good job putting my clothes in the hamper. They can connect exactly what they did. And it registers to them like they're like, oh, I did do that. Okay, I did a good job. Mom heard me. Dad saw me. I'm getting validated in affirmation for being a contributing member to my family. Great. Okay. so we just want to finish that statement with exactly what they did well. I'm so proud of you because you didn't slug your sister and i know you wanted to because she totally destroyed your lego project i'm so proud of you for for having control over your emotions and your body that you didn't slug her again it's i'm so proud of you because finish that statement with very specific actions that you have observed it fills up your child's bank of being seen being heard being validated like Knowing that you know them, it is powerful in the way that you connect with your child. It means a lot. So please, please do this specifically. Thank you so much for helping me carry in the groceries. Thank you so much for helping me get the dog inside and get the mud off his paws. Oh my goodness, I couldn't catch him, but you did. Thank you for helping me. That was huge. Do you see how for a young child, just acknowledging specific things that they do is so incredibly powerful to them? And so when we do specific words that they can see, there's there's no confusion there. Like mom gets me. She sees what I do. She confirms she's proud of me for this. That is a good place to be. And when kids feel seen and heard and validated and affirmed, they don't give parents a lot of bad behavior. They're in a good, safe, healthy space where they feel seen and heard. Okay. Our words and our actions need to add up. And so if I say I'm going to do something, I need to do it. One more thing that I want to say about words And I'm going to give you an example of, again, when you're intentionally parenting your kids and that words matter, I, you will often hear me say, I am about connection and not instant compliance and obedience. So my youngest one was in preschool and I think it was the first week of school. So I tell my kids you know, we don't hit, we don't push, we don't kick, we don't um, physically, you know, do anything to our siblings. So that has been the message between all three of my kids. So I also do not want kids to say, I'm sorry, with no um, no real remorse for the the behavior. I don't want kids to just say, Okay, mom said I had to tell you, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but then have no feeling behind it. It's not, it's not real. I want my kids to um, not apologize right away if they need to think about it, what they did wrong. And then when that registers like, okay, I did screw up, then come back around and say, listen, I'm sorry with a real authentic apology. Do you see the difference? But I, again, if um, I see parents who are often that control, um, imposing taskmaster, kind of, you need to say you're sorry. And I just want the instant obedience of it and the compliance. I don't need you to mean it or not mean it. I just want you to say it. It, it comes from a different place. So just know in this story, I operate, again, from being authentic and connection. And I don't want an empty apology. I don't want you to apologize for your behavior if you're not really sorry for it. And so that was the message and what I was teaching my own kids. So Rachel was in school and she was in um, her little class. They were doing different centers and she was supposed to move one center to another one. Rachel is my highly sensitive child. So she takes in all the information from all of her senses, and it can be exhausting to her. In this instant, the teacher wanted her to move from one table to another. She wasn't. She was still working on whatever at the first table. So the teacher came along and kind of shimmied her with her hands on the back of on Rachel's back and on her bottom. Now Rachel did not like that as the third kid. She was like, you don't push me. That's not okay. So she kind of flung back and flung her hand back at the teacher. And the teacher thought that the teacher um, experienced that as she was being hit by my daughter. So they went to, you know, tried to get Rachel to apologize. Rachel was not apologizing. So another teacher came in, Rachel, you need to say sorry. And Rachel was, you know, I think she was three- So she wasn't able to articulate, hey, I think she hit me first. But anyway, so long story short, Rachel's now in the principal's office because she won't say sorry. And they're calling me saying, listen, your daughter needs to say she's sorry. And so they didn't know what to do with her. She was crying. She was unconsolable. Um, And the principal ended up putting her in a dark room finally to give her some space because knowing Rachel, the more, um, the more people you add to her, the more, and that's exactly what they did. They brought in, okay, well, one teacher can't make her say sorry. So let's see if two or three other ones can. So here's Rachel, three years old, lots of teachers all speaking at her. You need to say sorry. You need to say sorry. You need to do this. You need to do that. She was completely overloaded. Um, New school, new class, new environment, all this stuff. And what they should have done was give her a minute to collect herself. And then she probably would have thought about, oh, okay, maybe I did something wrong here. So finally, they put her in a dark room. The principal was like, okay, we're going to give her five minutes in this dark office to see if she will calm down. She did. That should have been the first thing that they did but they did not. They did exactly the opposite of what she needed. And so I got up to the school. She was calm. I talked to her. She was absolutely apologetic. She absolutely knew that teacher from my older kids. But again, she couldn't process it and come up with an authentic apology at the moment. And I had taught her, like, we're not going to apologize with no meaning behind it. So it was just this big confusion and misunderstanding and mixed messages that um again it's so incredibly important how you talk to your kids at school and then school's going to start here in a little bit but also you know how we communicate with the teachers about what's going on in our family how we are trying to intentionally raise and guide our kids and it might be a little bit different than the majority of families out there. And I can tell you, honestly, there are a good number of parents who would just rather um, operate with the control, instant obedience and compliance because it's easier right now in these young ages. But again, this is the long game we're playing for 20 years here. And so that doesn't serve them to ask for that control and instant obedience and compliance in those later teenage years. So words are so, so important. Okay, next one, actions. Your words and your actions have to line up as parents. And that is so incredibly hard. And that hits on our second thing, which is boundaries. You have to have your boundaries. You have to hold them. And this is where those words and those actions come Come into play. Like, if I say I'm going to do this, I have to hold that boundary and I have to do it. And so I was coaching a mom this week, and she said, I don't like to hold the boundaries. I would really like it if my kids did not get to the point where they push that boundary because I feel bad. I feel bad saying, okay, now we don't get to do this, or now we're going to take away story time before bed. And I had to explain to her that actually, I understand that, that she feels bad about that, but I needed her to understand, actually, your child feels safer. Your child doesn't like that they aren't getting what they want. They aren't liking that they can't continue with this undesired behavior that they're giving you and not holding the boundary, but they're actually registering inside their body. They are safe. If a parent has the ability to hold those boundaries, that child is safe to know. I can't just do whatever anything goes. I'm, I'm confined. There are restrictions on me. And that is actually a really good thing. And so this mom, again, she didn't like it. But I could give her a new perspective. Like this is so, so important. These boundaries matter. And maybe not so much at four years old when we're just trying to get them to take their clothes from the bathtub and put them in the dirty clothes hamper. But we're modeling and we're teaching our kids they can trust us in holding a boundary right now. And so when your child is 16 years old and you say, you know what? You can't drive the car past 11 o'clock, they're going to know, oh, okay, I know mom's words and her actions line up. I can trust her to do what she says she's going to do. And actually she's looking out for my safety. This safety is important. And I know that it's mom's job to keep me safe. And so I'm going to listen and follow her boundaries, her rules for me. Okay, so just know it's long term, but those words, those actions have to line up or your child is confused. And it's like, wait a minute, she said if she had to do this one more time, she was going to take away bedtime. But she told me that four times and then I still got this before bedtime. So again, it is incredibly difficult for a child to know how to act and what behavior to get rid of that is this bad behavior if they're so confused in what the parent is doing like what you're saying doesn't match by what you're doing you didn't actually take that away or um, i will have some parents who feel bad if they give a negative consequence. Like, okay, we we don't get to stay at the park 30 more minutes because you ran out of bounds. You st- started to head to the street or something. But a parent might feel so bad about that that they actually will say, but we'll go get ice cream instead to make up for it. Okay, that is so confusing to a child. They're like, what? What? Like, I'm in trouble because I ran towards the street and now we can't stay very long. But mom feels bad about that. So now I get ice cream. The child's going, What? So, what happens is that child's undesired, that bad behavior, the meltdown, the tantrum, the outburst, the running towards the street, all of that continues because the message that the child gets, they have no clue what to do with it. They're like, I don't, that's not clear. That seems so incredibly confusing, okay? The other other way that communication can be super confusing is nonverbal body language. So a parent can say, nope, I'm not angry, but a child is picking up from the tension, the energy, the red face of the mom or dad. Oh yeah, that parent is angry. They're saying they're not, but the child's going, I kind of think they are. So I coach parents all the time. This is the time in these young years to give your kids the vocabulary and the understanding of different emotions. Uh, Most kids know mad, sad, glad, and scared. And there are so many more. Disappointed. I'm hurt. I'm, you know, um, why can't I think of any more? I'm... I'm nervous, excited. I have some butterflies in my stomach, but it's a good thing. I'm excited to go to school tomorrow. Or, oh my goodness, I have nerves in my stomach. Like I'm scared because I actually destroyed something in class and I need to tell my teacher and I don't want to tell her because she specifically told me not to touch it. So there's all these different emotions. And if we will communicate with our kids and ask them, what does that look like? Or what do you think? How do you think I'm feeling about that? All these other emotions besides just mad, sad, glad, and scared, it gives them an ability, again, to know themselves well and to get clear, more clear communication that doesn't leave such confusion. Okay, the last third thing that um, we're going to talk about in regard to confusion and how kids can get it. And so um, it is by husband and wife not being on the same page. So kids in a family just getting a constant mixed message. Mom says do this. Dad says do that. Mom says act like this. Dad says that's okay not to. So that is incredibly difficult for your children to figure out. Which way do I do it? Mom said to do it this way, but dad said that. So mom and dad being on the same page in regard to the schedules, the discipline, the goals for each child kind of for the next six months or a year is huge. Having clear goals, clear communication, simple ways to talk to kids, intentional Um you know, intentional focus on how we're going to look at the things we want to work on with this kids between mom and dad. So, so key. Okay. So these are some ways your kids are being confused. Simple ways for you to make a big difference. Here's what I want to say in regard to the husband and wife not being on the same page. Okay, you know you can find me in my monthly membership on my website, www.kellykshoop.com. So for $49 a month, there is a weekly group coaching call where you can come on and ask me something that's going on specifically with your family, your kids, whatever. It's great. There are also lots of resources, kind of occupational therapy focused for you to learn about the skills, all the different systems and behaviors that I know about to kind of share with you in different ways. That is on online, on the portal. There's videos there. You can watch them whenever you need them. They're there for you, okay? So that is my monthly membership. What I also have is one-on-one coaching for 10 weeks i have a one-on-one for just one parent but i also do coaching of couples so a mom and a dad meet with me for for 10 weeks and it can be life-changing for your family if mom and dad don't agree on what discipline is being used that's hard on kids Again, there's not good behavior coming out of that. There's probably more bad because kids are confused. I also help parents understand what is the childhood you experience. So, you know, dad comes into the marriage with one set of the way he was parented and mom does the same. So there are triggers. There are things that occur in the family that really don't have anything to do with this child. They have to do with what the parents experienced um, when they were being raised, but it comes out in a certain way. And again, the child is so confused. They're like, what, where, what, how, huh? That just happened. That's a big blow up. I didn't even do anything. They are left going, what? And so we don't want our kids to be confused based on the childhood, stuff that happened years ago we want good clear concise communication for that connection and so with a couple counseling coaching it's not counseling it's more coaching okay this is what we're going to do these are the three things mom and dad can come together and say this is what I want to focus on in our family right here right now for two months and What parents find with working with me is they feel immediate relief and they feel like they get efficient, effective strategies that are based on not just somebody's opinion of parenting. It's based on actual, you know, physical body, understanding human development, the ages, the stages, what is happening. Another way is Because I understand that human body so well, the sensory system, I have each the husband and the wife take their sensory profile. How are they unique? What are their sensitivities? What absolutely drives them crazy? We all know for me, it's hearing. But when a wife and a husband understand each other's, they're like, oh, I get it. My husband wasn't trying to be a jerk by doing this. He was actually just trying to settle his nervous system and kind of get it back to an A-OK point. But I was totally offended because he had to leave because his hearing, he couldn't handle it. So there, again, becomes more understanding, more awareness, more unity and cohesiveness in how parents can interact And raise their family. And that is such a great positive place. So, that is also on my website for again, just one on one coaching once a week for 10 weeks. Mom and dad, we can take turns some weeks, we can be together, but it's an attempt to get parents on the same page. Let's parent from one common unified clear, communicated approach. And then our kids aren't confused. There is so much more connection and there's better behavior from these kids. And that feels so much better to parents. Thank you for your time today. Did you like what you heard in this episode? If you did, please share it with a friend and be sure and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app. Reviews are always appreciated. As a reminder, my show is also on YouTube. In YouTube, search for Kelly K. Shoup. That's K-E-L-L-Y-K-S-H-O-U-P. Be sure to click the subscribe button and hit the bell for all notifications. To learn more about my work, helping families, or to contact me, go to kellykshoup.com. Again, that's kellykshoup.com. Thanks so much.